Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be a series of talks on musculoskeletal trauma with an emphasis on vascular imaging. Now, when you look at CT of trauma, this is a slide I've used before, but it's still very much true. Um, we used to use CT mainly as a way of looking at discordant findings when plain films and uh, physical exam were uh, in contradiction to each other or when plain films were indeterminate. Now often CT is the first and only studies that's used, particularly with certain modes of injury. And for example, the original area where this probably was most common was in cervical spine because we never got satisfactory plain films, so we went straight to CT. But more and more, particularly when vascular injury is suspected, you go right to CT, and then you're able to answer all of the questions by using IV contrast material. We also recognize in this era of uh, whole body scanning in the trauma setting, musculoskeletal imaging is a critical part of that examination. And again, trauma, particularly gunshot wounds or stab wounds, are ideal for evaluation with CT scanning. There's been a number of articles. This article by Geyer made the point that um, CT allows for an integrated imaging of musculoskeletal trauma within a single examination. She goes on to say that in this context, CT angio facilitates the detection of coexisting vascular injuries after trauma of the skeleton. So you can see this whole idea about multiple organs, single examination become very critical. Now when looking at musculoskeletal trauma, uh, protocol decisions are important. Uh, key question usually is IV contrast. If it's just a simple tibial plateau fracture, you're not going to use IV contrast. But depending on the site of injury, the type of injury, particularly gunshot wounds, uh, stab wounds, you need IV contrast. Physical exam may suggest the need for IV contrast or lab studies such as drop at hematocrit. When you think you need IV contrast, then it's a matter of the protocol. Injection rate, 4 to 5 cc's a second of 100 to 120. Omni 350 we use. The scan delay is variable. That's because it depends on where you're scanning. If you're worrying about lower extremity, your delay is longer than if you're doing upper extremity or chest or abdomen. We usually use a single phase acquisition, though a dual phase acquisition can be valuable uh, depending on the scenario. And ideally, the site of injection is going to be antecubital. In terms of protocols, we like to use 0.75 millimeter thick sections every 0.5. This creates really nice data for reconstruction. We reconstruct twice with smooth or a soft algorithm as well as the high resolution bone algorithm. And most of these cases will be getting post-processing. A combination of volume rendering, MIP, and NPR works very nicely. We've written several articles about this. Uh, we talk about the role of 3D imaging in trauma. This article, Looking at Lower Extremity Trauma by Fritz et al. talks about the advantage of multi-organ, multi-system evaluation. So if you look at this patient uh, with a gunshot wound, you can see injury to the soft tissue. You can see the bullet fragments present. You can see the muscle injury as well as looking at the vessel. And you see that the popliteal artery is patent, but it's narrowed. This is muscle spasm. You also can see that by adjusting and rotating the data sets, we're able to get the bullet off the vessel. And so at times with bullets, in theory, you may have a hard time determining vessel patency because of artifact. In most cases, we get around that very nicely. And here's just a nice example of simply rotating that data set. 
Now, one important thing with uh, advances in CT is dual energy, and dual energy is particularly valuable, and in my experience, the most valuable thing about dual energy is the ability to do automated bone removal. This article by Valos makes the point about the ability to do automated bone removal with dual energy data sets. We've developed good algorithms for bone removal, but in certain areas like the base of the skull, uh, the dual energy really is the ideal application. And for other areas, including the extremities, like in this example, uh, it does make the workflow go very nicely. And you can see here we remove the uh, femurs and the pelvis and show you very nicely the aortic bifurcation through iliacs, through superficial femoral arteries, and all of the branch points. And you can see with most cases, dual energy creates no artifact. The issues I've had with dual energy for artifact is when there's very dense calcifications present, it could suggest occlusion of a vessel. So with dual energy, you want to be careful. You want to make certain you're also looking at the original data set, particularly if you're going to call something a positive finding. Now, when you look at the applications, and here's just a good example of another case, uh, trauma, you can see this CT angio of the knee. You can see that I can rotate the data sets around a little bit, and you can see the uh, trifurcation vessels, and I can show it to you a few more projections, but one would have to admit, surely it's easier to see when I take the bone away. Now we simply have all of the vessels, the trifurcation, everything looks widely patent, there's no uh, problems. Or in this case, we see very nicely the patient's fracture of the tibia as well as the fibula. The posterior perspective with volume rendering shows you the vessels very nicely. And here it is again showing you the trifurcation vessels. You see the anterior tibial, posterior tibial, and perineal very nicely. But one would admit that it's a whole lot easier when I simply take the bone away and now I'm looking directly at the vessels. So new technology is really making it easier for us to do these applications. Article by Dresden talking about this idea of whole body CT angiography in the trauma setting. This is Shock Trauma, University of Maryland. Um, in this article, they do make the point that you can do a continuous acquisition and then evaluate everything in retrospect. And what they do is they scan typically from the circle of Willis to the symphysis and will scan further if necessary. They talk about the need for isotropic data and then for post-processing. So if you look at their protocol, they'll do an unenhanced brain CT, then enhanced scan from circle of Willis downward. You can see their parameters. In terms of scan delay, they talk about 20 seconds for younger patients. 25 seconds for older patients. They talk about a biphasic injection. They talk about delayed scans only in select cases. So again, uh, it's a good article and it makes a good point that you can do and people are doing this idea of very fast whole body type scanning. In this article by Fritz, when we looked at lower extremity trauma, we talked about some of the challenges, and particularly with the lower extremity, motion artifacts, inadequate positioning, streak artifacts, dense calcifications, uh, bullet fragments causing significant beam hardening artifacts, and the fact that if you only do arterial phase imaging, you could miss venous phase or venous types of injury. So again, it's a challenge. I think we're getting better at meeting the challenge, but it's important to know some of the pitfalls. 
Now, if we look at vascular injury, and I mentioned in the talks, first slide, we we're going to focus on vascular injury. You could talk about hard signs and soft signs. Hard signs are easy. Pulsatile hemorrhage or hematoma, absent distal pulses, overt ischemia, audible brewery, palpable thrill, soft signs, hemorrhage found in history, decreased pulse on the contralateral side, relatively speaking, bony injury or proximity to penetrating wound, neurologic abnormality. So these are more cases in the latter where you kind of suspect something just by the other injury, but you haven't seen the primary process. Now, when we look at injuries, whether it's hard or soft signs, CT meets and finds all of them. There's a range of injuries from hematoma to active extravasation. We can see spasm, stenosis. We can see external compression or occlusion. We can see intimal injury and dissection, AV fistula and pseudoaneurysm formation. So there are many things we can look for and it's gonna depend on the specific scenario. Now, in terms of pitfalls, I mentioned a little a bit of this a moment ago, but poor injection rate, poor timing, patient motion, and artifact are some of the real difficult problems uh, that potentially you can face. So it's very important to develop the right protocols, develop the right sequence, because in the ER, where many of these patients are located, things are very hectic, and so you want to make certain you have all your protocols set up very nicely before you get started within the entire process. Now, if you talk about uh, CT in trauma and CT in uh, vascular trauma specifically, you can see how times have changed. Four slice scanner, sensitivity 90 to 95%, specificity up to 100%. Now these were larger injuries. And then another article, rigor CTA provides significant and reproducible techniques for detection and characterization of arterial injuries to the extremity. Uh, in this article, they also speak about this becoming the initial diagnostic method for patients with suspected arterial injury after upper or low extremity uh, trauma. You fast forward another two years, Anderson upper extremity CTAs uh, demonstrate adequate quality in the majority of patients. Uh, in that article, Anderson also says uh, it allowed 88% of patients with penetrating traumas to undergo conservative management without any sequela. So again, it's not just making the diagnosis, but using things in terms of management. So let's go a step further. Let's look at the vascular injuries specifically. So we're going to look at all of these various injuries. And again, it's not often isolated. Trauma doesn't understand what it's supposed to do. Often you'll see that there are several of these in the same patient. So just some points that I like to remind people of. Positioning is critical, ideally arms overhead, but arms by the side work, if that's the only way to make it work. Scan delay, typically 25 seconds when we're doing the upper extremity. Uh, you want to inject the contralateral extremity up to 5 cc's a second, typically 100 to 120 cc's of contrast. And then the slice thickness, 0.75 uh, millimeter thick sections every 0.6. Now, there have been several articles about this. Dominic Fleischman wrote this article, CTA in the setting of trauma, well recognized, uh, talking about the importance of uh, being able to look at all of the vascular structures and the importance of post-processing. 
So let's look at a few examples. Here's a patient arm over the head. You can see it very nicely, this injury to the left arm. You can see the middle part shows top of skull. Here's the 3D reconstructions. And you can see, once I have a good data set, I could do anything with a data set. My problem is getting a good data set. So now you can see very nicely the patient's arms over the head, the soft tissue, the vessels, the bone. And then I'll rotate the patient. So now you can see the patient, the equivalent of being prone, arms over the head. Change the color maps to show you I can use color, accentuate the muscle. And here you see the patient's IV. You also can see the patient's vasculature. Uh, again, uh, this is without bone removal, but you get a feeling of the flexibility. But again, an important thing is patient positioning. I like symmetry, but I'll do without symmetry if I have to. I also want to make certain, most importantly, the patient is comfortable. A comfortable patient is going to give you a great study, as was the case here. Now, when you look at anatomy, and this is just a couple line drawings for your information. The CT and the vascular anatomy match one-to-one, -one, whether it's around the shoulder and you look at the axillary to brachial or from brachial through bifurcation and everything in between. Now, we talk about 3D visualization. We talk about the spectrum of going from skin to vessel to bone and vessel to taking the bone away and showing only vessel. So again, we use all of our tools in this scenario to make things work. Now, in this article by Boslar, they spoke about the upper extremity trauma and very nicely spoke about the different problems from spasm to occlusion to AV fistula and some of the challenges in making the diagnosis. Franz made the point, current multidisciplinary team management approach with prompt surgical management resulted in successful outcomes after upper extremity arterial injuries. No outcome differences between penetrating and blunt or between proximal and distal arterial injuries was calculated. Okay, but you know, you can understand where that might make some difference. Uh, Riganelli, a little bit more recent. CT procedure of choice, identify hemorrhage, air, bullet, bone fragments, hemothorax, uh, and is also useful for accessing the medical legal aspects as trajectory and the anatomic structures at risk. So you can see it not only goes beyond the making the diagnosis, but literally moves into learning about ballistics, which can be helpful in the defense forces. Um, we talk about this idea about landmarks. This article by Fleischman makes the point Anatomical landmarks include the lateral margin of the first rib that demarcates the boundary between subclavian artery and axillary artery. So some of these conventions can be very, very important. So let's look at some examples. Here's a very nice case where the patient uh, had trauma, arms by the side. You can see the axillary and brachial artery as well as subclavian. And now we use the uh, computer to take away the bone. Bones coated in blue. And so we take it away, and you can see now I'm left with just that patient's axillary to brachial artery. Just a very nice way of isolating those vessels. And you can see it here with volume rendering. And once I remove all the structures, you can see it very nicely here with the MIP imaging. There's no evidence of vascular injury in this case. You can see same patient. I could track the vessel, put a point proximal, put a point distal, and now I'm tracking the vessel in its entirety. And when you go to a trauma case, you can see here patient stab wound, injury in the lung, 
you see the chest tube in place, you see prior sutures in the arm, but now you see the axillary artery very nicely shown, see the brachial artery very nicely shown. Now you want to edit this, but you can see this is a good example of where editing can be wrong. You can see what happens is that the computer considers the subclavian part of the bone. That's because it basically touches that first rib, and you can see that's a tremendous problem because if you didn't notice that, look at the error. It looks like there's subclavian artery occlusion, and you can make that mistake. Computers can generate errors, and those errors get carried forward into interpretation errors. So you want to be very careful because that is not occlusion of the vessel. And you can see what you can go back in is really adjust that. And here I'm showing you very nicely the first rib and the left subclavian down to axillary. So again, you can see where the error would be. This is often hard to, to uh, get rid of this error. And so one thing I've come to realize is if I leave the first rib in, I have a good landmark. And now the vessel looks very good as well. I see no vascular injury. And I can track that vessel and show it very nicely here as well. So again, it's a very, very nice example. Now, in looking at shoulder trauma, there's a number of things that can be subtle. Again, one of the reasons for moving bone is this case, I don't see any obvious vascular injury, but when you remove the bone, you remove the humerus, you can see a subtle blush, very nicely shown there or shown in this image or there. So again, it can be very, very subtle. Now, if you move down a little bit down to the wrist, the wrist is indeed a challenging area. But I'll tell you what we'll do. Why don't we stop at this case and let's pick it up next time. Let's get some coffee and come right back. I'll see you in 15 minutes. Bye.